Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hey, Oilers fans. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I'm back with my boy, Zach. It's uh, It's been a little while since I had a show on, but hey, Zach, thank you so much for covering, uh, especially over the last couple of days when I've been feeling pretty down. Thank you so much, man, uh, for carrying the show. But we're back. Yes. And we get to talk about an Oilers win for once. I feel so bad because every time I we're, we leave or something like that and you're on your own for a little bit, the Oilers just seem to stink. I, I'm cursed, dude. I do not understand. I, I said this to you before the show, but I feel like all of my like my past five broadcasts have just been so overly negative that when I got in the waiting room here, I was just trying to be so positive, like almost to the point of toxic positivity, you know? Um, but yeah, this was a finally, finally, finally a game where I'm not pulling my hair out at the end of the third period, you know? Just a game. It's nice. Was it was there some a little a few rough patches sprinkled in here and there? Absolutely, we'll get into all that, I'm sure. But for the most part, smooth sailing. The Oilers never let up on their lead. It was always roughly around two goals, and it was just a great game. There were ten minutes in the start of the second where I went, "Oh no, here it comes again." You know, every time the Oilers have a two minute or two goal lead, I just think to myself and go, "All right, they're gonna mess this up somehow." Unless we pound in like. Four goals, five goal leads. I just don't feel secure as an Oilers fan, right? Uh, I, I got some comments in chat already. Thank you so much. Black Masakari, Lindsay, I am feeling good. I'm ready to, to get this show on going with Zach. But hey, first, got to pay the sponsor. Uh, hey, think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. As Zach is already in chat, riding, riving up the crowd here. 55 likes. Can we do it tonight? Yep. Uh, we can let's, do it. Holloway let's get that Holloway tonight. 55. We have to. For Dylan. We can't end the stream until we get 55. No, boy, no he, way. He was so good tonight, eh? I feel like he's been playing this good for the last five or six games. It's just tonight he got rewarded for it. That's the only difference is tonight the puck went in the net. And it's funny enough, it's on one of the – he scored his two goals and like the two best goalies in the league, right? Everyone, yeah. And, and other than that, he's just been getting – I don't even know, just had crap luck pretty much. Like that's the best way I could put it. Maybe um, it's something with like Russian goaltenders, you know? He's yeah, just maybe. like, hey, he only scores against Russians. There, there was some Russian on Russian violence tonight between Alex Romanov and Klim Kost, and it was um on a on the Ukrainian national night. There was a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, there was there was a lot of tension. And hey, yeah, we're we're gonna definitely talk about Klim Kostin later on tonight because what a story he's been for oil country. I uh, wanted to focus back up quickly on Dylan Holloway. Nine minutes and 46 seconds tonight. Let's let's start seeing those numbers rise. Do you remember earlier on we were talking about Holloway getting six minutes a night going yeah. like, hey, let's just send him send the guy down. He's Dude, looking good. I'm shocked, to be honest with you, that it's only 946. It felt like he was always on the ice. Like, I, I'm frankly, that number surprises me more than any other ice time number tonight. Uh, also, Nima Linen, only three minutes on ice on the ice tonight. It's weird, Dude, he right? Get, he didn't get hurt. He didn't get hurt. No, okay, I feel yeah. like he was playing the whole time. Um, it's just weird because Broberg had a good night. And I think oh, that fantastic. might be why. One of his best nights in the NHL probably since the game against Vegas last year. Yeah. And there was so much going into this game that we were talking about 11 and 7. Mm-hmm. Woody's up to his old tricks. And, and Manson finally has a con- has a control over this game again. But uh, yeah, suddenly that's not the tale well, when you yeah. look at these numbers. Fogel out of the game so they do go 11 and 7 now was he injured was he or was he just healthy scratch uh that i've heard i heard conflicting reports so that i'm frankly unsure about so i don't 
really want to speculate. But the good thing about when they go 11 and 7, you noticed it early on, is Dylan Holloway, Derek Ryan on the fourth line, instead of be playing with a Yan marker, a Costin or whatever, they're playing with a McDavid or a Dry Saddle or a Nugent Hopkins. And it allows Holloway to create so much more. Even a Ryan McLeod to a lesser extent. Like you saw Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway are developing a nice little chemistry. Like McLeod got robbed by Sorokin a number of times uh, later on in the game. But overall, yeah, Dylan Holloway, phenomenal. That 11 and 7 is really good. But yeah. but when Woodcroft, the, the only flaw I can have with it is when Woodcroft goes and you're playing a guy only three minutes, you're pretty much just playing short a guy, right? Like, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the one. But here's the weird thing, right? Like, it, it's Niemalainen's only playing three minutes, but those are three minutes where he didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So if you count that as a sort of, hey, we're sheltering a guy, I, I get it. If you uh, instead put his minutes at like what six minutes and he ends up making one mistake, there's something to be said about that from a coaching perspective, right? Just I'm trying to be as relentlessly positive for, as possible. Well, yeah, no, for me, I can't say that I noticed anything from Marcus Niemelainen and like yeah. whatsoever. Like maybe I missed something or whatnot. He was right around 50% expected goals, which is actually the second lowest on the Oilers night. They they violated the New York Islanders five on five. Like if I was the Islanders, I'd be leaving Edmonton filing a police report. This is not, um, this <laughs> is dangerous. Agreed. Like the, the Oilers took a lot of control this game and we had talk uh, right over the, uh, the past couple of days that they had a players only meeting. Uh, Woody just absolutely roasted the guys. Uh, there, there was all this discussion and you know, they weren't talking about all-star voting. They were talking about how poorly they played that, you know, just a couple nights ago. And the fact that they came together, came out of the gate flying hard, once again, that was one of the issues that we talked about early on this series of podcasts was the slow starts for the Oilers. They seem to have fixed that issue. Well, there was a little hiccup, but they other definitely than that, fixed, they definitely fixed the slow start issue for the last five games. They've been starting awesome and then leaving early. You yes. know what I mean? Right? Like they've just been the last four of the last five games that they lost. They blew them. I think I want to say a, at least a one goal lead. I want to say most of them are multi goal leads. Yeah. Uh, they had, uh, they showed the stat on, I think during the intermission, uh, or, or, or second period, it was out of the last five home games. There were like three that were two goal leads that they threw away. Um, overall i think they they had like four games out of that five game homestand uh where they straight up got ahead and then Mm -hmm. left and didn't play the game um there was one where i think they just kind of got outskilled um but all in all like the oilers have to play like this on a regular night and agreed you look at you look at mcdavid's time on ice tonight he played 24 minutes you don't want him doing that all no. the time but he was getting double shifted a lot right he yeah, was... that that's the 11 and 7 factor right yeah there. he was he was and also because he's playing on the penalty kill he spent over two minutes of that shorthanded right like yeah. that's a, you're asking a lot from Connor mcdavid if there's anyone in the nhl who's capable of doing it it also is Connor mcdavid he was an absolute physical beast tonight this was shades of like game seven against la connor mcdavid right you could tell whatever was said in that uh players only meeting uh they really took it to heart because not only connor this might have been leon's best defensive game of the year like leon i know there's been speculation is he hurt this that all these different little issues with leon what's going on with him frankly he had like he's been putting up the points that that's never been an issue with him but there's been something to left to be desired with that with his defensive play throughout the year. And this is a night where you he looked a little bit more mobile. Like, I don't know if it was the fire they they just lit under his butt, if he was trying to set an example for his teammates, if he was what he was doing. But tonight, Leon, I think he led the Oilers in expected goals. I think he had over an expected goal himself, um, a full goal. Um, but yeah, no, Leon was awesome. Like, again, from top to bottom, every single player showed up tonight to play. And um, they, you know, we can we can run through the game, uh, the goal by goal or whatever you want to do uh, if you want. But if for me, in the second period, 
there was the the first five minutes of that second period when they come into the break. Similar to the game against Seattle, where Seattle comes and ties it, whatever, um, comes back and tie it. The Islanders come out, and who gets the goal? It was Matthew Barzal. Matthew Barzal scores mm-hmm. on Edmonton. And that it's was early one. into the second, yeah. Exactly. And you could feel the reeling start. The ne- I want to say it was the very next shift. Anders Lee right off the post, right? That goes in the net. It's a completely different game, right? Those guys, like, you see. Men- well, here's the weird thing, right? I, I, t- I tweeted out, I think, during the first intermission um, that I, I would just be irate if the Oilers came out after a firing like 20 minutes just absolutely dominant first period if they just came out and forgot how to play hockey like if they don't play for the rest of the 40 minutes and the first 10 minutes of the second period it was almost like that had happened because every pass just had no no strength behind it there was no oomph they were so weak and easy to intercept Uh, a lot of passes went like into the body and had to the players had to wait for it to drop onto their mm-hmm. stick uh, so many things like that happened for the first 10 minutes and the oilers just couldn't it's, break out it's it, it to me that's so obviously mental like they just see the goal and they all clench their butt cheeks and they hold their sticks a bit tighter and they just get so rattled from that one goal and it wasn't mcdavid who got who who turned it around it wasn't dry it wasn't nurse it wasn't nuge it was dylan holloway with the kids out there with yamamoto mcleod broberg the broberg, two hall and yeah. draft picks combined for a goal fantastic first time in literally his gm tenure that i've ever said that um and don't praise them too much. We still need <laughs> a couple of trades along along yeah, the exactly. way here. And 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 from that point on, it was pretty much smooth sailing. Yeah, Kyle Clutterbuck scored a goal that you probably would like Jack Campbell to save. But at the end of the day, he had above a 900 save percentage, like Hater McDater says in the chat. That's all you can ask for. I, you'll never hear a complaint about me from Jack Campbell if the save percentage starts with a nine. If it starts with a nine, the Oilers are capable of winning. And like you said earlier. Uh, this is the type of performance that it might like this was such a domination and this might seem like harsh for any other team or out of line to say, but this shouldn't be just a fantastic game. This shouldn't be an outlier. This type of performance has to be the norm. They are capable of this night in and night out when everyone shows up to play. But when you just see last of days, little efforts and a little and they, and they just come in believing that they should win rather than coming in on like an even playing field and understanding that they need to work in order to win, you're not going to get efforts like this. And you could tell what, again, I keep going back to that coach's meeting, yeah. whatever was said there completely changed the outlook of the team. And, and, and to me, this, I know we said this multiple times, but to me, this has the potential to be a real turning point on the season, right? You go- yeah. I mean, uh, it seems like New York teams have that effect on the Oilers, right? For some reason, last time it was against the Rangers where they had to battle back and they fought hard and it just sent them on a nice little winning streak for a couple of games after that. Uh, A couple of comments here. Uh, Yeah, Soup needed that win. uh, 20 saves tonight. Pretty good. 909 save percentage. Honestly, they're the ones that kind of got past him, they're more on the defense. Uh the Barzal goal, like you mentioned, it was just like a like a bar down. Well, There's well to me, the Barzal goal, okay. If we're gonna be really nitpicky, Jack Campbell has a tendency to go down really early. I've noticed in certain situations. That goal, Barzal had the whole top half oh. of the net to shoot at right he did shoot it bar down because he's matthew barzal and he's super skilled but he had about 35 percent of the net to actually put it in uh but again that's more i would like i defensively i would need to go back and watch the goal again uh it looked it was barry and kulak i want to say on the ice for that goal and to me it looked like they just didn't get forward support they kind of it was just a three on two and the islanders played it really well and campbell went down a bit early there like i don't really have much of a complaint if, if that makes sense. And I might I think, have missed something, but I think the, the first one for sure, it was a little bit of a just quick play the other way around. Like it's, it's tough as a defenseman. I think I, whoever it was laid down on that play and it just obviously didn't work out for him. Uh, on the second goal, like that, that one's it's tough. Cal Clutterbuck, you know, he smoked, I think it was CC behind the net. Um, but, when they were kind of just 
transitioning out of that behind the net play Barry and CC weren't talking or they just missed the man and Clutterbuck just skates right into open ice no one's around him he makes a beautiful beautiful chop right yeah that redirect of the shot passes is hard to do I mean totally. for laymen like us but yeah that's something where if you had a d-man trying to box him out or at least getting a little bit in the way holding getting your stick on his that makes that play a lot harder again right? if so- if that's Stuart Skinner are we are we probably are upset that he let that in right I don't think Stuart Skinner lets that goal in uh to be honest with you though it's Whatever. Campbell, again, got an above a 900 save percentage. I heard yeah. on the broadcast, they said Skinner started 14 out of the last 18 starts. Yeah. We Campbell's got to get the ball rolling or else we're in serious trouble, right? Like Campbell needs to take a number of these starts here. And frankly, I, I really hope that he has earned a little bit more belief just within himself to have the confidence to go back out there and build on that because if jack campbell's at the top of his game i think i think those are both plays or goals that he expects himself to make the save right so i think yeah going forward i think this is all in all a really big positive at least in terms of the play of the goaltender honestly yeah i think here's another thing right jack campbell is a a veteran now you know he you you got to put him in that position he's got to be the guy that says hey skinner's maybe not but he's fighting the puck a little bit now. So, mm-hmm. you know what, kid? Like, I got your back. I'll be in there. If we don't get run support, if we get smoked or whatever, like, hey, that's on me. You just focus on getting yourself back into shape, resting, all of that good jazz. I'm here for it. If we can win, you know, that only helps his confidence, uh, Campbell's confidence. But even if he's, you know, catching a few L's he's like at a 50 500% right like that's fine we just need Campbell to be average yeah and totally rest up Stu- Stuart Skinner I mean honestly 14 out of the last 18 yeah we we overplayed him and that's mm-hmm. clearly one of the reasons why you know he may maybe didn't have the greatest game last time what do you think of Costin's play today in the top six you know what? I wanted to do a whole segment on Clean Costin, so hey, let's let's do mm-hmm. it now, right? Uh, obviously, this is his first game where he's getting shifts on the first line with Connor McDavid. Uh, during the pregame interview, he was yeah. he was saying, "I'm I'm a little stressed, like I'm a little nervous." Uh, you know, McDavid just told me, "Like, hey, just be in front of the net. I'll find you." That's something you love to see from the captain, right? Like this younger player who's just arrived in the city this season. Hey, I'll take care of you. Just get yourself into the simple, smart zones. Just play with your stick on the ice. I got you, man. I'll find you. And then the other thing is... Costin is just a fan favorite like immediately. He he just knows how to tug at the heartstrings of oil country. Oh, yeah. Um, Jason Greger today, uh, he was talking to Costin, uh, letting him know about how many Oilers fans just absolutely love him. Mm -hmm. And this is what he had to say. The fans are the most important thing in our sport. Everything we do is for the fans. I'm really happy they love me and I want them to know I love them more than they do me. What a guy, right? Like after our own heart, Clem Costin. Oh, yeah. Dude played amazing tonight. You know, he didn't look out of place right from the get-go. He looked like he belonged on that first line. A um, couple of big shots. I'm I'm lucky to to see him like get into those crease areas and not get hurt because I've I've seen so many times, uh, you know, a Ryan Smith standing in front of the net, eating a couple of shots in the chops, uh, getting getting knocked down a little bit, getting like a, a shot to the face. But no, Costin, Costin was great in front of the net. Costin was great in the slot. And I think he overall banged the body, was physical, uh, tried to contribute on the score sheet. Dude did everything he could. Dude, I loved him on that first line. The evolution, so the evolution of Clem Costin's play since he got to Edmonton is something to watch. Because like he, he's, he's, he's kept the same streak of that physicality uh, since he's gotten here. But where he's really grown and faster than I think anyone would have expected is his ability to hang on to the puck and have confidence in the offensive zone. Right. I remember that I heard, I can't remember if it was on the radio or on a broadcast or whatever, but they made, they made a comment that Clem Costin after practice was working with Zach Hyman 
on his ability on and just asking him how he protects the puck and what his skills because Zach Hyman is one of the best people I've ever seen at defending the puck down low and keeping it away from the opposition right he, we call him the dog all the time so to have Clem Costin who's pretty what he's an absolute giant you use that and just take that skill that he's learned and just run with it like I'm I'm frankly shocked because I'm so used to watching McDavid play with guys like Alex Chase on and Zach Cassian and just having these cinder blocks on his wing, right? Where they, he passes the puck and it kills the play immediately. And you get this guy who was on waivers and, you know, who was pretty much lost in his last organization. He comes in and he's making skill plays. He's hanging onto the puck. He's taking hard shots. Like Sorokin robbed him a number of times, the blocker from the slot. So he has a hard shot. Costin played phenomenal. Costin was he was just as effective, if not more, than Jesse Pugliarvi at his best last year. Like, this to me was an awesome game. Like, he was breaking up the Islanders, for, uh, the breakouts, the forecheck. He was disrupting wherever he can. He's definitely a little more effective physically than Jesse Pugliarvi. Jesse Pugliarvi kind of just throws himself into people. Clem Costin, I think, is a little more of an effective hitter uh, in terms of using it, like, for actual game, regain possession and whatnot. It's it's almost like when you're throwing a punch, right? When you're yeah. you're learning how to throw a punch, a lot of people just stop. And that seems like kind of what Pugliarvi's doing. He's holding back a little bit. Costin has that like follow through. He really pushes into guys, which absolutely adds, lends a lot more force to it. And that's when, you know, well, when you're playing a physical game, you that's even what you need see to him. do with the reverse hits, right? Like people come at him constantly. You know, like the Islanders are some big boys on their defense, right? And they're coming at him and he does not move and they go flying. Like it's, it is awesome to see. Costin is a really, really useful piece. Now we just need more of that up and down the lineup, but that's another conversation for another day. But Clem Costin itself, I would stick him there and run with it. The Yamo McDavid uh, Costin trio was awesome. We, yeah, and Yamo needed it just as much as Costin, to be honest with you. Honestly, yeah, like when he comes down to it, everyone was playing hard tonight. Everyone was going ham. I think the the physicality aspect we can that's already in traditional media. Let's leave it to them when they're talking about <laughs> getting a couple of bruisers or whatever. Like we'll we'll leave that conversation to traditional media. But you're right. There's something that differs between just playing physical, you know, making sure that the other team feels pressure and actually like dropping the gloves, actually like making big hits. You don't mm -hmm. always have to do that. If you're just making them feel the pressure of a back check, making oh. them feel the pressure of like board play. Um, there's He's the perfect modern energy player. If that makes yeah. any sense, like and ideal. There's, there's a history of like, power forwards in this city right you know you think back to your like your dustin penner you're like patty maroon you mm -hmm. know milan lucic right you think back to these guys and you go edmonton doesn't really do so well with power forwards uh but we got a team now that is kind of big right mm -hmm. they don't always play physical but when they do it it's so fun oh right? yeah we, we see them hit we see them score this team when they're playing right, can do it all. It's just the issue of sometimes they don't play right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I totally agree. It's it's the consistency and being so inconsistent. Like we yeah. can, like I, I think the reason why we're not more happy uh, after a game like this today, like I, we're obviously we're happy. I shouldn't use the that's not maybe the right terminology to use, but like. This is again. We said established this already. This is the expectation, right? We, we, the Oilers are capable of doing this night in and night out, whether it's against Boston and Vegas or whether they're playing Columbus. It does not matter. They should be able to carry the play and at least have a chance in every single game. The fact, like ninety nine percent of the time, when you see the Oilers lose, they're beating themselves. So you can go through. 80% of the goals scored against the Oilers, okay, I shouldn't say 80, maybe 70% of the goals that uh, has been scored against the Oilers this year and point out specific defensive lapses that led directly to those goals. Like mistakes that, you know, regular teams or teams that are in a good headspace or teams that aren't reeling don't make, right? Right. So Passes that are just absolute pizzas. Like, yeah. Normal, normally teams have one of those like every 10 games and you go, oh, what a stinker. The Oilers have one every like two games. Yeah. Some it, of them are five alarm, you know, giveaways too. 
literally and, and even tonight I, I i didn't pause it and go back to watch and they didn't show a replay on the broadcast so i might be completely wrong but with about nine minutes left i want to say it was darnell nurse made another pass right up the middle right in the slot intercepted by casey zizekas and jack campbell probably made his biggest save and i don't know if it's saved by jack campbell or cc blocked it or whatever but that was another instance where i was like whoa we need to chill out again this was an awesome game they dominated five on five um but the signs it's, are it's, still there that they need improvements in other areas. Correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's 100% sure, like, the, the defense isn't what it's cracked up to be. You know, like, CeCe's trying his best. I think Kulak's trying his best. But these guys are kind of playing a little bit too high up in the lineup, totally. right? So you I, feel like you need someone in that, like, first pairing role. And oh, that's totally. That's something that we've been, you know... Harping well, on for a long time now. Every like, uh, game over Edmonton just turns into like a mini TSN trade center because that's what we spend 15 minutes out of our broadcast always talking about uh, the guy from Arizona. And I, and I said this on Twitter. I was like, I'm almost getting – like I saw like, – I think it was Wise Kyle in chat talk about Jacob Chicken. And I'm literally almost getting sick of talking about Jacob Chicken because every time it comes out of my mouth, you just see like how he's like the perfect puzzle piece and whatever and – you just know, like, there's a 99.9% chance it's not going to happen. Um, Zach, what if it's a Bloody Mary situation? If you say it enough times on stream, yeah, it'll actually show up. I know. I Listen, I wish. I'll do whatever I got to do. But if, you just know, and you set yourself up for disappointment. I was there a couple of years ago when Taylor Hall was getting traded from Arizona. Or, yeah, I want to say oh. uh, from Buffalo. <laughs> I thought he was, I was so sure that he was coming back to Edmonton and, I remember listening. I was literally walking around my house the night when it looked like he was on the move listening to Coming Home by Diddy just over and over. And I thought we were going to right so many wrongs that night, but he went to Arizona and I give, shed a tear. Give it up, man. Give it up. They're not They're not coming back. There's exactly. so many guys that I'm just like, oh. you know what hurt me most? The fact that Gags didn't come back. The fact that Gagne mm. chose not to sign here over well, the offseason and went to the Jets. The rumor, the rumor with Gagne was that Ken Holland offered him a PTO and he was going to yeah. take it, I think. But then Winnipeg came out of nowhere and offered him a guaranteed contract. Right. And then like, I don't know why you just wouldn't offer him a contract. Like you signed Greg McKegg to the same contract that Sam Ghani is on. I don't know why you wouldn't do it, yeah. uh, but whatever. That's yeah. like, you got a league minimum contract in Devon Shore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Multi-year deal. Devon Shore. Duh, Short in play, we can't be talking about short because that'll also fill up a we, lot of time. That we just we don't. don't we just don't want to talk about. We're trying to be positive. Yeah, I've been so positive. negative. I feel like there's just been so much negative energy and so much sadness associated with the Oilers. Like my mental health through January, like already, you know, it's rough. It's getting dark early. You're not doing much. You're staying home. It's a minus a million outside, but. And, and then it doesn't help when the Oilers are just getting constantly beat up and clowned on by the rest of the NHL, right? A this guy is, this is what it's like to be an Oilers fan, man. Like literally. we had we had ten years of this, so hey, yeah, literally. Like... <laughs> you, oh, it's just oh man, it's unbelievable. You have a guy on pace to have like 150 to 160 points, and again, we we can we can get into the negative talk if you want, and you're still just teetering on a wild card spot, like. No, oh no, let's God. let's twist it. Let's twist it back into a positive. Obviously, you know, we're talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, just absolute superhumans, right? So, of course, tonight, McDavid getting his 500th career assist, and then right afterwards, Leon getting his 400th career assist. Uh, oh. wh what do you think about that? It just these feels, guys. It feels like these guys have a milestone Yeah, four times a year, five times a year. Like I again, I I said this on our last show with List, but it it it, it, it like eh, for me as an Oilers fan, yeah, I don't care. Like it's cool. Like congratulations, Yamo's gonna live in infamy when McDavid goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm sure that Yamo pass will or the Yamo goal because it was a super nice toe. It was a nice goal, absolutely. It was... A guy needed it too. Like the, the, if there's one thing the Oilers need, it's production from Puliyarvi and Yamo, and if. I know we've said this before. This got to get Yama going, and he's going to live in infamy with that goal. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's 
not what else is new they're amazing like when when you talk about Oilers that live in infamy with one goal you know there's another guy that comes to mind and he's sliding down center ice but we'll that not we'll not talk about that my favorite oil one of my favorite Oilers goals of all time um but you know well even yak even had an appearance on the broadcast today right he was i think mcdavid's what's he used first oh yeah, yeah yeah that was that was the goal yeah, yeah. mcdavid's was, first yeah so to have a yak sighting on the broadcast is always nostalgic Love seeing him show up. Yeah. What's Again, he doing right now? Uh, I think he's in the KHL. I think he's like a, I think he is like, I don't know, last I heard, I think he had like four points in 12 games and he was really mad about what Devin Dubnik said about him on the DFO rundown. And that's all we've heard about. Yeah. Honestly, no, though. Fuck it. Revenge tour, man. Get, get Yak back. Get, I want Linus Omark. I want yeah. uh, Magnus Pyarvi. I, I, I would, I, all three of those guys would signif- be significant upgrades on Devin Shore significant bring them all back bring them all back exercise some demons here oh yeah absolutely um but yeah yeah Lindsay, my dog's in the back and usually i keep him outside of my room but uh he was already lying on my bed when i came in here and you know as long as he doesn't bark it's not a problem it seems like he's pretty tired but yeah that's my dog teddy so tonight we got a victory puppy yeah, let's go victory <laughs> teddy yeah oh, make sure you feed teddy some treats for us later on yeah absolutely. if he if he wakes up <laughs> he, he will he will be up and barking so yeah Appreciate but yeah it. like on, honestly uh there's so many things that have gone wrong in the past so with you know oilers making trades too late too early um right now you know what we we keep harping on the fact that we need trades we need Mm -hmm. some some guys to get in here and fix up our defense but if if we're you know if we're getting goals if we're getting wins and not just from the big guns we're getting them from you know people who might be pieces going back the other way that just that that's just good trade value and that's fine totally dude well i mean just from a pure like perspective right now like an in-house one if holloway mcleod yamo Pooliart, like these are guys that should be scoring, and they Broberg. have done, well, oh, well, not scoring, well, but forwards, yeah. but no, totally. Broberg yeah. should be contributing more than he has been. I, I do think Broberg played excellent. Like Broberg, I have zero complaints about him through his t- entire Oilers tenure. Still on the trade Broberg train, but I think he's been awesome, and he's going to develop into a solid defenseman. You right? at least you entertain it, right? Like you, oh, you entertain I do more than the entertain. I shoot him out of a cannon. I, I do not care um there's nothing there's nothing that says i'm gonna ship him but like if a team is willing to value him and mm -hmm. you can get good rewards like like a like a gavrikov right no 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 brober for gavrikov you wouldn't do that no way sorry i don't mean to be so um direct but no no no, not like not broberg and a first but no no i would not do broberg for gavrikov okay vladislav gavrikov is brett kulak but more physical. That's literally Glavikov. We gave up a second in William Lagason uh, for Vladislav Gavrik or for Brett Kulak. And we ended up signing Kulak for four more years. The rumor is Gavrikov wants five million. His comparables are Ben Sherratt, uh, David Savard, just because of the physicality. Right. I think he's a little more mobile than them. No way in hell would I give up Philip Broberg uh, just based on the fact that he's a UFA. Even if he had term, true, left, his contract is is one of the pieces and, that kind of is. He's a hundred percent rental. And I, I said this. I know. I truly, truly, truly believe this. I've heard this that Bill Armstrong is one of the like. If there's any team that's high on Philip Broberg besides the Edmonton Oilers, it's, it's the Arizona Coyotes. They have. When he was at the World Juniors of Sweden, he was paired with their top one of their top prospects, Victor Schroederson, and that's when they played their best hockey. I know Arizona would be very interested in him. Obviously, it would take a lot more, but I think yeah. that's the move. That's your whether you're bringing in Sandra or Josh Man. I went through this in the last podcast, but don't um, don't get me wrong. I I would a hundred percent prefer Chikrin over Gavrikov. I would move a first but, for Gavrikov personally, but, that, but you know personally, I don't think that's a great trade but that's what the market is asking for right now right so to me i to me the there i there aren't many rentals at least in the defensive market that are that appealing to me like i i might be completely out to lunch but to me it's time for that big 
sexy move that you see every team make at least once in 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 their in their championship window am i am i am i wrong for saying that and you could say evander kane was that but to me that was such a different situation because you get him in for a million dollars you had no clue what he was going to be and he's been everything you could ever ask for and more but the fact of the matter is when he comes back it's not going to be like last year we don't he's not going to be a hundred percent clearly like when you get cut like that you're not going to be at a hundred percent uh, he won't be able to be as Im- impactful physically just because he won't be able to fight and stuff like that. Not that he's ever dropped the gloves in an Oilers jersey before. Who knows what a shot's going to be like. Uh, again, he's going to be good and he's going to score. But when I said, when Evander Kane got injured, the Oilers record was 8-8, eight and eight, right? Yeah. Evander, It's not like Evander Kane was keeping goals out of the net. And the problem is keeping goals out of the net. True. I, I think, you know, if they... If the Oilers actually come out and say that's their deadline acquisition, we're not like, making any big trades, that I think you lose a lot of faith. This market will lose a lot of faith in Ken Holland. And, you know, this is his last year as a GM, right? So I, I, when you think it about it, last year? I, I think that's the last year of his five. I'm pretty sure this is four out of five. I, I, might, I might be wrong. I might I be wrong I as well. It's really hard. I, I think Cap Friendly has an executive thing. I'm not even sure. I, I'm guessing just like, I'm tweet, tweet at us if we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, if anyone uh, in the chat wants to let us know if, how, how many years Ken Holden has left on his, you know, Jack Campbell contract. But, um, but uh, no, honestly, like this is near towards the end of his contract, right? Yes. I don't know at his age, is he, is he gonna want another contract? I Maybe hope not. this. Maybe this is the time where he just goes, hey, fuck it. Let, let's make a big trade, even if it, blows up in my face i'm out of here i i hope i wish but the thing is like does he have that in him and i guess we have to see because like i i i do think that he knows and 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 the oilers media like edmund is a fishbowl they listen they know they read the sports net articles so whatever you say whatever some of these people are putting out there like that is the thought process it within the edmonton oils management for me again none of the rentals at least on defense i find very attractive yes i also think there's teams like toronto uh who want defense as well i think they want defensemen and they're like i think toronto is will be willing to pay more for gavrikov than edmonton is well here's here's the weird thing to say as well right like Edmonton, even though we are so tight to the cap, so many teams are already. The fact that we actually have a decent amount of contract space, like the like the 50 max contracts that we can sign, is helping us a lot when it comes down to like trade deadline. Because mm-hmm. you look at teams like, like Vegas, like uh, Toronto, like Tampa, uh, there's Uh-oh. quite a few that are right... Oh, uh, there's quite a few that are at like 50 like 49 they are they are tough uh invasion of the bots bots. let's get rid of that (laughs) Uh, but yeah like you know what i mean like the fact that we actually have contract room makes it makes like three-way deals possible multiplayer deals possible it's it's a matter of moving out money and 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 if for the right defenseman i'm like I might be nuts, but I'm willing to move out like Yamamoto even as salary in, in a deal that brings in the right player. And, he, and he's turning it back on and we, and we are seeing it. But like to me, that that core piece on the defense is just so important. Like to me, if they don't get someone really good, like I just can't like, are they better than they were last year? Right now. And they were swept in the conference finals. And and unless we're pulling a Nashville Predators and we're raising banners for you know one eight games in the but playoffs, Colorado's not the same team it, that they but were. Still, but still, that's the bar, right? Like that's who won the cup. Whether it's not okay, you beat Colorado, you go to the finals, you lose to Boston in four. Like okay, you won four more games. Congratulations. Like what's the difference, right? Like right. when you have Connor McDavid, unless you, you need to win a Stanley cup. You have three more years. I we've said this a million times, the best guy on the market right now, the guy that every person with a brain thinks they should be targeting. No offense. To anyone without a brain is uh Jacob Chicker. Well, Obviously. yeah. And there's, but, there were people who were opposed to it. And even like, I think you're right. Who was opposed? Most certain media guys, <laughs> let, let even like, 
even guys who are a little bit more traditional in the thinking, they're starting to turn around. It's yeah. it's always been acquisition cost that's the real issue for Which, like a chikrin. Well, you and I understand that from a if, if for from two years ago or three years ago. But if there's any team that has that is in the position to push those chips in and move a Broberg, move your first, like move the next three first, literally, who cares? It's like, the team that has the two best players. Yeah, in the like, world. like, what are we waiting for? Like, are, are are we waiting to get a draft another one of like a, another guy like Connor and Leon? Like, what are we? Are we another trying? Connor who's a generational yeah, talent? Like, like, <laughs> I know one gold medal today. Like, what are what are we waiting? For? I I just don't understand. And, and, and like you said, Holland's not going to be here forever. Like, the, the everything is lining up for that big chip push in the middle. So it's weird that we haven't heard more about it. I have one person to ask you about. Before I do that, I just want to say we have 28 people watching right now. We are at 24 likes, but you guys are probably different than the people who liked it. So hit that like button. At least I said 55. Let's try and get 55 after the stream. Right now, let's try and at least end the stream with 30 likes. But uh, for me, one guy whose name has come up on the market uh, recently and who's been on the market, I swear he's been on the move for the last, rumored for the last like, four years, is Matias Ekholm. What do True. you think? What do you like? Like to me, he's just, way better than Gavrikov. But I just don't like his contract. Because here, here's the thing, right? Like Gavrikov is a one-year experiment. Because the other thing is, if if they don't jive, if they don't fit, you gotta find ways to offload. That's a whole nother set of issues. How many years extra does Ekholm have? Like four. Three, he's in four? the first year of his four years. So he has more terms. No, I. Uh, so, but. Chikrin's Chikrin's on an amazing deal. The only thing that might hurt him is that Chikrin is frequently hurt. But so is Broberg. Yeah, like at at this point in the career, in his career, yeah, Broberg's been hurt. Quite and at a few this times point as well. in his career, Jacob Chikrin was significantly ahead of where Philip Broberg is. Like if you go yeah. look just at their hockey bees, I was comparing them the other day. Um, but well, yeah, no. it's just the other thing where you know Chikrin's not old he's not like an old he's, player who's slowing down year, i think he's two or three years older than broberg like if you put it yeah. in that perspective it's really not that much exactly but uh, meanwhile someone who's like Ekholm is on a not he's 32 so, he's, he's not years that older great of a deal he's 6.25 yeah like the the deal is not as good as the Chikrin deal, he's older. Logically, you think so, that you know a thirty-two-year-old is going to start slumping down. Yes, Oof, to my thirty-year-old heart. <laughs> At home, still is though an above-average, like really right. good. Like if he came in, he would be. I, I like there is an argument to be made that he would be their best defenseman. Like you could reasonably have that conversation. Absolutely. I don't think it's uh, you know be a foregone conclusion. Obviously, and I agree with you. He's making over two million dollars more, or just about two million dollars more than Jacob Chicken. So mm-hmm. obviously, you don't want that. But to me, again, when you're in your window is those next couple of years, whatever. At home is not the end of the world. He's not my number one target by any means. But I would rather give up these assets for someone with term. I don't want to see all these assets go up the door and the oils be left with nothing standing still. Because to me, all the attractive assets that we know are on the market do have term left. Like, again, I see people talking about, and the only one without term or with term that did not do anything for me was Joel Edmondson, who I saw Wise Kyle bring up. Yeah, uh, I think Wise Kyle also confirmed for us uh, Holland's done next season, not this season. Yes. Uh, so 23 um, 24. Appreciate but- it, Wise Kyle. Yeah, like Joel Edmondson, I I don't have time for unless it's something that makes more sense. Like the fact that a a first is being called for Edmondson at all is already like okay, Disgusting. no, they, they have to pay us to take Edmondson yeah. if we're taking him. Well, did you see what Andrew tweeted about him today? Andrew's no, like I that's like four failed breakout attempts in a row for Joel Edmondson that were like direct grade A chances against the Montreal Canadiens, right? Like Montreal fans don't like him; they want him gone. Somehow we're willing to t- to give up all these assets. When St. Louis won the Cup, he was frequently a healthy scratch. Like, yeah, it's he's just not it. Like, he, I, if he's coming in as like a depth defenseman, someone who's like, hey, you can fill in as like a four, five, six. Like, I'm fine with that, but. No, he's not what we need no. if we need a top pairing defenseman, which is the the same thing I would say about like Shen. I think Shen coming out of Vancouver, great deal. Uh, he's a he's won cups, so he'll if you're, cost mo- he'll cost more though just because oh, of how cheap he is. He's so cheap, and the yeah. fact that if you're a contender and you do have you know 
you're you're missing some of that veteran depth that says, "Hey, calm down, kids. Like it's like, not over till it's I over." I could see Tampa being interested in Lucian. I could oh, see Toronto oh, yeah. being interested. Like there's gonna be a big market for those type of guys, right? And that's why I think the Oilers got to focus elsewhere. They got to put their chips in on the guy like Jacob Chicken or they're competing with teams like Ottawa, LA, whatever. Because Shen's not going to come in here and take that like number one, number two role no, either. It needs so. to be impact. It needs to shift the dynamic of the way the team plays completely. You need to feel like you have another guy that you can put up there with your Kane, Hyman, Nuge, McDavid, Dresden, or Nurse. You need, yeah. a, and you need it to be a defenseman. Like Tampa had Hedman McDonough. You had McCarr and Mance. Like, like every defense is built just elite, solid guys playing above where they are capable of, or below where they are capable of playing, sorry. Right? They're, they're supposed to be playing down because of the fact that, hey, if, if you have someone who gets injured, which happens a lot during the playoffs, the next man up mentality, someone's not swamped going into playing more minutes. They're no, yeah. they're coming in and they're saying, hey, finally, like I yeah. get I get to flex a little bit here. Yeah. Uh a lot of hate on Edmondson in the <laughs> chat. Uh good s- safe to say that yeah, oil country doesn't really want Edmondson. Yeah. Um you know, they're feeding us something a lot in the traditional media about Joel Edmondson. Mm-hmm. I think it's that might down. be a telling sign. And there was a podcast. I'm not sure anyone watches Ryan Rashog's podcast. I didn't watch the full podcast. So I just saw the clips, but it seems like the tide is turning a little bit on Jacob trick. And you had, you had LeBron, you had Dreger, you had all these guys that were saying like Craig, Button, you, that's the move. Have you noticed? Yeah. All four of them. I think it's the get your back pod. Like all four of them immediately switch to a, like, no, this is the answer. This is, He's the guy. Why haven't we mm-hmm. gone out and got him yet? You know, yeah. it, how fast the the turntables, right? Oh, yeah, totally, dude. <laughs> it, it, it's, and let's just and let's see where that goes. You know, that's again, anything those guys say, I know that was more of an opinion, but it's still coming from somewhere. They don't like to be perceived as being wrong uh, a lot of the time. Right. So so to see them say stuff like that, like, let's see where it goes. The, the key will be if you see the articles from Sportsnet, do a big switch up on uh on Jacob Chicken, but yeah, we no matter what, this always turns into a version of you know SPPN <laughs> Trade Center. We tried, we tried not to talk about Jacob Chick Chickren, but we did. Mm-hmm. But hey, yeah, that's all right. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's touch on one more thing. I mean, there were a couple of minutes where a lot of Oilers fans probably tuned away from the game. Uh, it's because Canada did oh, yeah. win in overtime, three two. Uh, yeah, just a great tournament by Chechia. Uh but Edmonton, Edmonton has can be so proud tonight. The Oilers won and also Dylan Gunther from your Edmonton Oil Kings ended up scoring the golden goal in 3v3 overtime. Just it's just an amazing goal as well. Just a oh. beautiful play. Oh. Uh, Full disclosure, you want to know something funny? <laughs> so, when the Oilers uh I don't know what exactly happened. It was like 13 minutes left in the first or something. And I can't remember what the exact situation was, but they either the others were going to the power play uh, really early on in the game. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sorokin had robbed uh, 97 in, in the right in the slot. The others were going to the power play for whatever reason. And it went to a TV timeout. And I don't know what happened in my brain. If I was just overtired, I was like, Oh sweet intermission. Perfect. Perfect time to put on the world juniors. And I just watched like six consecutive uh, minutes of the world juniors overtime until I saw the goal. Then I switched back to the Oilers game and I saw there were seven minutes left. I was like, what the hell? And you're like, Oh, <laughs> I, I forgot. And I, yeah. And, and I got back right when Leon scored the power play goal. And uh... I was like, what the, what I, I don't know. That was one of the biggest brain farts I've ever had watching hockey. I, I don't know how that happened. I just, it went to TV timeout. It was like, yeah, intermission. Perfect. Perfect. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yeah. When you're when you're watching commercials, you go, I don't want to watch commercials. Flip the channel and then boom, they get you on another channel and you're not going back, even though yeah. we have a job to do. I was I know I was drawn right in. I went shit, shit, shit. And then in the intermission, I had to go back and watch all the stuff that I missed, or at least watch the power play. But I didn't miss too much. I know I missed a really good defensive play from Evan Bouchard, but that pairing was awesome tonight uh yes. don't really have uh many complaints another awesome it was just an awesome game i think from top to bottom i think we we stat we, i don't know if we touched on this on the show but probably the weakest link on the forward core was matisse yanmark yeah but like 
Yanmark didn't really stand out. There were a couple plays where you think that he could have made a better better play, especially yeah. during some of the well, breakouts. The, I say Matisse Yanmark has this ability where he can he's kind of like Warren Fo- I says Warren Fogelitis, right? Like he just has the ability to turn something into nothing or nothing into something, but then 99% of the time always turns that something that he created right back into nothing. You know what I mean? And, Sometimes uh, players just disappear, but that's okay because you know this is the this is the fact of you know we're watching the best players in the NHL play, and the fact that sometimes you see guys like Connor McDavid that are again literally superhuman, it makes like a regular guy like Yanmark just he just kind of look ah oh, that's he's kind of bad. MGD and, in the chat says Matisse Yanmark was a minus two tonight, and to me, oh man, that is horrible. Was he? Like, yeah, I didn't even I didn't even look. Oh uh, well, yeah, he was a minus two. Wow. So so in in this game to be a minus two to me, I mean, Warren if Warren Vogel's healthy, uh, he's got to come in for Matthias Yanmark. Like that's got to be like to me when Kane's healthy, Yanmark's the guy who goes down. Honestly, uh, you have to clear cap. A hundred percent. Like there's, you just got a lot of replacement level guys, right? Right now we're, we're a little bit more, shall we say, enlightened in modern day statistics. And we get to say things like, yeah, this player is just a replacement level player, but end 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 of the day, like Yanmark would smoke us. Right, even if well, like even if we're playing ball hockey, he would smoke us. Bro, but, ben Scrivens literally right now would smoke me. Like this is not oh, a yeah. uh, this is not a uh, yeah. I don't, everyone would. I I understand what you're saying, but um, yeah, it's yeah. like when you're looking at you know, especially the players that we have on Edmonton who are you know some of the best players in the league. Yeah, uh, yeah. There there's times when regular looking guys just seem bad. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the World Juniors, but hey, Zach, let's spend a little bit of time getting ready for our next show because we got oh, yeah. a very special guest. We have on. a huge guest, huge, huge. One of the biggest guests so far to join Game Over Edmonton. We're going to go on a string of guests. I don't know if you I said I did say the other one on a past show. I don't know if you should say it again, but on Saturday, right after the game, Dennis and I on Game Over will be joined by Jordan Buhat, Edmonton native. An actor on the hit show Grownish on mm-hmm. uh, ABC City TV Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Yeah, um, so I think it was and ABC Spark actually. I don't, I don't know. You know he's gonna be heated because we're playing the Avalanche for the oh. first time since that. You know, since the postseason, uh, they're pretty banged up. You know, like they're missing Landeskog, they're missing Manson. Uh, mm-hmm. who they're missing? They're missing a ton of guys. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they guys. aren't the Avalanche that beat the Oilers. Like, not even close right now. It's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be a blast, with Jordan. Super nice guy from everything I've heard. I've only talked to him in the DM. Super excited to actually uh, talk to him over Zoom. Get to know him a little bit, and you get you guys get let you guys know what it's like to be uh, an Oilers fan in Hollywood. <laughs> Superstar. Cool. Yeah, literally, it's but, it's gonna be really cool. So we'll we'll find out all that from him. It'll be an amazing show. If you guys come in next time, bring your friends, let them know. Uh, Game Over Edmonton next Saturday, January 7th at 8 p.m. is the puck drop. Zach and I will be with special guest Jordan Buhat. That's it for us tonight. I think we went on for nearly an hour show. Oh, geez. It's the trade talk. It's the trade talk. Things, (laughs) Things get a little heated. Hey, you know what? At least we tried to be positive tonight, uh, and I think we did a pretty good job. High five, Zach. Yes, high five. Let's play La Bomba, baby. Everyone have Let's a good night. Play La Bomba, Hit the like baby. button one more time. Have a good night. See you have next show. Have a good show. night. See you next show. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.